Well, hey, good morning, Liverpool One Church. Oh no, I'm not in my own church today, am I? <laughs> my bad. That's because you guys really do make it feel like I'm amongst the family today. But um, good morning, Life Church, Wisconsin. Clearly a little bit of jet lag just kicking in right there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, it really is an absolute honour and a privilege that I get to be with you guys again. Do you know what? It's been like over two years now since I've been with you, uh, since the last time I was here. And hasn't the world gone crazy in the past two years? I mean, nobody saw this whole COVID thing that we're all having to deal with. Uh, nobody more than us. And I know that it's been incredibly challenging for, um, for every single one of us and churches especially. But to be back here with you guys um, is incredibly special to me because you really are family for me. And when I'm with you, it feels feels like I'm just at my home away from my home. So thank you for your incredible hospitality and making me feel so welcome. Uh, thank you very much also to Ryan to hi for highlighting the fact that I am not the world famous country singer Luke Bryan. Um, what I will say is, is that some people follow me and find me on Instagram and they follow me and then they like DM me like, hmm, aren't you the famous guy? I'm like, no, I'm so sorry to let you down. That's not me, right? You know, this, um, it's definitely been a strange season, hasn't it really, over the last couple of years? But let me just say this before we jump into today's talk, and that's that to be here with you guys and also to have spent a little bit of time just kind of surfing around the different campuses that you guys have is so incredibly special because what you guys are building here at Life Church, really, if we're going to be honest and jump straight to it, it's not normal because this isn't happening everywhere. I'm not too sure what it's like in the States, but in the UK, especially throughout COVID, like churches have been closing their doors. Even our church, we were not allowed to meet in person for over a year. I mean, the idea of that just seems crazy two years ago, and yet that's been the reality. So to be with you guys today and to see the church strong and healthy and being ha given the opportunity to worship with you so passionately, it encourages my soul to see your church just thriving and going from strength to strength, even in this season. And that doesn't happen by mistake. That happens because there are leaders and staff members and volunteer teams that are just committed to bringing their A game week in, week out to make church happen. But to quote John Maxwell for a moment, he says that everything rises and falls on leadership. And I don't think that that would continuously happen unless you had the leadership gift set in place in your church. And I think through your leadership team and especially your senior pastor, Pastor Aaron Cole and Miss Tammy, I think they have done an outstanding job in just leading this entire movement. Can we show them some, some love, some appreciation? This guy is literally one of the best leaders I know, and you guys are blessed to have him. You know, um, I'm not too sure about you, but I think that we're all very similar in many respects. I am privy to oftentimes getting the wrong end of the stick. Like, I get the wrong end of the stick at church sometimes. I get the wrong end of the stick sometimes in my marriage. Um, as a dad of three boys, sometimes it's just easy, isn't it, to get the wrong end of the stick. 
When Emma and I, we've been married for nearly 20 years. I'm not too sure of the exact number, but I can say that because she's not here. Um, but we've been married a long time, and pretty early on, she kind of became aware of my immense love for live music. Like, I just love going to the concerts. I love going to the theater. She loves the color and the dancing, and I'm just like fixated. I watch the musicians in the pits, and I just love the sound that is just made in these amazing auditoriums. And I love going to see like a whole different array of musicians and bands. I just love it. It's my thing. Emma, when we first got married, she became aware that I was like a super big fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, don't judge me, okay? But I just, I just loved the Chili Peppers. And I would go on for ages about how it's a bucket list dream of mine to one day go and see the Chili Peppers. So, I was absolutely delighted one day, it was on a birthday, that she told me that she'd bought me some tickets for a concert and she'd made reference to her awareness of how much I loved the Chili Peppers. So in my head, this is the concert that I thought I was going to. There's Flea doing his thing. So I just thought we were going to be traveling to the arena and we'd just be with all the men and the sweat rocking out to the red hot chili peppers. But as we were en route, Emma dropped this bombshell to me and she told me that she wasn't in fact able to get me tickets for the red hot chili peppers. There was a little bit of a surprise because I felt like she'd led me up the garden path the wrong way. But what she said was it was okay though because we were going to have a great night because she'd bought me tickets to see Ronan Keating. Now, I get it contextually, this might not transfer, but let me just tell you who Ronan Keating is. Ronan Keating was the lead singer of a boy band called Boyzone, who then went on to have a solo artist career selling like Irish folk music. And everybody that would attend the concerts would just be like thousands of women. So this was the concert that I ended up at. Can you see me in and amongst like 20,000 17 year old girls? Like, if there's one thing that I didn't need in my life, it was to go to a Ronan Keating concert, you know? I mean, she was making out that, like, it was going to be the best thing ever, and, like, all the girls were screaming out, like, Roman, Ronan, I love you! And inside, I was thinking, like, Ronan, you've destroyed my worldview on music right now. This is not helpful to my soul. But it's clear to me that she had, she'd completely got the wrong end of the stick in terms of what I thought, what she thought that I would like and what I would enjoy. But, th but this happens all of the time, doesn't it? And it doesn't only happen in our marriages, it happens in our parenting, it happens in education, it happens in our employment. Sometimes we just get the wrong end of the stick. What's funny is though, this also happens in church world all of the time. There are many things that we can get involved in and participate in that as far as being involved in a local church, sometimes, through no fault of our own, we can just get the wrong end of the stick. And that's why today I want to talk to you about one particular subject matter that actually comes out of two ordinances that we follow in our Christian faith. One of those ordinances is surrounding baptism. Baptism. 
Now, I'm going to just tell you as it is, I am so devastated that I am not going to be here with you guys next week when you do your baptism service, because like that is just one of the greatest moments to celebrate as a church family, when you see people coming and experiencing new life in Christ and outworking that through the format of baptism, it's just amazing. In fact, we've already in Liverpool had a baptism service today and just seen tons of people get baptized as an outward demonstration of their faith in Jesus. And you guys are going to get the opportunity to just celebrate that together next week. But another ordinance that we also follow, aside from baptism, is surrounding communion. Now, I I get it, right? I'm on the verge of potentially losing some of you if I were to introduce the subject matter to you as being communion, because many of you would probably think the same thing that I would think if I was sat where you are, which is, seriously, like, you're going to talk to me about communion today? Like, dude, I've brought a friend from the office in church today. Like, seriously, you want to talk to us about that today? Because I've seen it done. I've read the blog. I've, I've witnessed it from afar. I've even had a go. But the bottom line is, when it comes to communion, this can be a game changer in terms of being able to revolutionize your faith and your fellowship in Jesus Christ. And yet it's oftentimes something that we just get the wrong end of the stick about. Oftentimes it's something, and I get it because we've seen it, we've witnessed it, we've been involved in it. It's something to do with the bread. It's something to do with the wine. It's one of those subject matters that if we're honest, we can think we've got a greater understanding about it than we actually have. That's why today I just want to ask you, would you do me the honor of just lending me your ears and your heart for a few more moments as we jump into some scripture that would maybe help illuminate the reason why we take communion together as a church family? Because what I've experienced is this, the deeper the level of my understanding is about communion, the closer it is that I feel with Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour. And that's been my prayer all week in the preparation for doing this talk for you today. One of the biggest challenges that we as local church pastors face is managing the tension between inspiration and education. What I know is leading a church in the UK is that many people love the types and kinds of messages that when you walk out of church, you just feel like, man, I am so ready to go and get the world, go and attack my future, go and live out my dreams. We love those inspirational messages, don't we? And we're all the same in this. And if I'm super honest, I love delivering inspirational messages, the kind of thing that just adds fuel to your tank. But the bottom line is this, inspiration alone doesn't change anything. My experience would tell me that it's only when you partner education with inspiration that we stand a chance to see long lasting change. In fact, we could say it like this, if we wanna grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we need both inspiration and education. So I'm gonna try and partner those two themes together today as we talk through and discuss communion. So in a moment, we're going to jump into a passage of scripture taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where the Apostle Paul, who's a big deal, right? He wrote most of the New Testament, starts to talk to a church in Corinth about the significance of taking communion. 
But what's interesting to me is that it wasn't Paul that introduced communion to us. It was Jesus. Because it was Jesus who, when he was gathered around the table at the Last Supper, on the night before he was betrayed by Judas, it was him himself that started to speak to us about this concept of communion. And I think that anything that Jesus says is a really big deal to Paul. So if it's a big deal to Paul, it should be a big deal to us too. Because I don't want anybody thinking that the idea of communion has maybe been thought about by, I don't know, perhaps an English pastor somewhere or a vicar or a reverend that was just trying to introduce a way to work snack into his worship service, okay? It wasn't like, because I think about that sometimes. I think like he got it right with the wine and the cracker. He just missed out the cheese. Is that what kind of happened there? Because we'd have had great church services every week if we were doing it that way, right? I don't want you to think that it's come from any other place than actually out of the very words of Jesus. So Paul starts to talk about the way in which we do communion and what we should be thinking about during the process of taking communion. So we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians 11 verses 23 through, 23 through 26 that reads this, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So here we have the Apostle Paul, and he's being quite instructional about this. He's giving us the do's and the don'ts surrounding what we need to be thinking along the lines of when we're taking communion. And he's kind of saying it like this. If you're a follower of Jesus, or if you're part of a local church, like this is your home church here at Life Church Wisconsin, this should be a big deal to you because it was a big deal to Paul. And I think that there are many topics of conversation surrounding communion that sometimes can detract us from the main thing. And I kind of, I get it, and I don't want to go into all of the different sort of standpoints and points of view about it, but I do want to acknowledge the fact that in the Catholic Church, they do communion slightly differently to how maybe we're going to do it today. Because in the Catholic Church, what they believe is that when we take the, of the bread and of the wine, that it physically becomes the body and the blood of Jesus. Perhaps if you've grown up or ever been involved in a Lutheran background, you will know that they have a slightly different standpoint on this too. Because what they consider is that the bread and the wine doesn't become the physical body, but rather the spiritual presence of Christ. And yet here in more of a Protestant background, we see communion more as a point of symbolic remembrance where we acknowledge that Christ suffered on the cross. So I guess that there are many different talking points that we could go down the line of, but I think this, there are three things that we can all agree on surrounding communion. And I want to leave you today knowing three clear things about communion that if you integrate this into your faith life, it will strengthen your faith and your pursuit in God. So the first thing that I want you to know of is this, 
is that when we take communion, communion is a reminder that Christ died for us. That's the main reason why Jesus told us to take of communion. He was saying this, look, I understand that sometimes, especially when you come to church regularly, that this can be some, become so blasé to you that you fail to miss the significance of it, that I want to provide you with a way that keeps you centered and grounded to acknowledge that our Christian faith is rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the one and only son of the one and only God. And he was saying, when you take communion, we do it so that we remember that Christ's life was given for each and every one of us. Let me try and make this real for each and every one of you today. We've got three boys, Joash, Isaac, and Solomon. Our youngest son, Solomon, he's just turned 15, and um, he knows everything, like every 15-year-old does, right? But he's a musician, and he plays drums. A few months ago, we got a phone call from the school, and they ring us up to say, you need to come and pick Solomon up. He's had a fall in sports, in football. We think he's possibly broken his wrist. So we track down to school and we take him to A&E where he arrives at the hospital and he's having like x-rays and they find that he's got this really peculiar break running down his wrist and they can't cast his arm because of the position of this break. So what they do is they give him what we would call a splint. I'm not sure exactly what it would be for you guys here, but it's like this great big heavy duty webbing and this plastic plinth that just locks his wrist into place. And the doctor says to him, hey, look, you've got to wear this for like six weeks. No messing around with it. You leave it on. You don't take it off. You can't get it wet. And then Solomon pipes up and asks and says, but I can still drum though, right? (laughs) And the doctor's like, no, you can't drum. You can't do anything for like 10 weeks. So as we're driving home to our house, I say to him, like, I'm his dad and I read him the right act. I say, listen, Saul, I know that you're going to be really tempted to play drums because, like, you do it every single day. But the doctor says you don't play drums. So I'm letting you know now as your father, you do not go near those drums. And he's like 15, knows everything. He's like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, we've been in our home for like two days and there's been this blissful silence. And then all of a sudden, I can hear this noise coming from the third floor in our attic and it's the drums going. And I just do the typical dad thing. I get up off my seat and I'm like, I will kill him. I, like, I go marching up the stairs and like our house is like Edwardian, three stories. The stairs are real steep. I get to the top of the stairs, just about to go into the attic. And I'm trying to pretend like I'm not really out of breath and about to have a cardiac arrest. And literally the drums are going and he's playing away. And I go barging into the attic and I am furious. I am not happy. Now, I could continue the description of what actually occurred in the attic, but I don't need to do that because my son is 15, he's smart, he knows everything, and he videoed the lot. This is for Dad's purpose, so he doesn't think I'm not drumming with two hands. So I'm just going to record my drum session. I've recorded the whole thing to prove I have used one hand the whole time, so it is just here. You just, 
You have just Fuck how many minutes on You have just dropped How many minutes on the video? <laughs> Three and a half minutes. One handed, haven't touched the stick with my left hand the whole time. I'm not acting. I'm a good trouble with one hand. <laughs> and to prove what I was doing yesterday. Are you resting that lad? I am. Yeah. Here's that I've recorded the whole thing for him. It's one hand. I'll make it worse. I'm not such another stick. Well, go on then, play with one hand. <laughs> that kid drives me mad, I'm telling you. <laughs> and he was so smug, just like, I'll show you I can play with one hand, you know? The funny thing is, is that evening over dinner, I was having a conversation with him and I was trying to say to him like, son, listen, I know that you love drumming. I know that it's like your number one thing, but I think you need to be careful about like drumming because you're probably going to be tempted to throw that broken hand into play. And he just made this statement to it and it's always stuck with me. He said, dad, listen, it might be broken, but I can still play. Do you know what I think? When Jesus was telling us to take communion, I think it was his way of letting each and every one of us know that there are parts of our lives that oftentimes will feel broken, but you still get to play because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for each and every one of us on the cross. So when we take communion, it's that reminder that our lives are completely imperfect and blemished in many respects. And yet, in our pursuit of an incredibly perfect God, the way is open to a real and relationship with him. And the constant reminder of that comes through the format of communion. It was his way of saying that even though at times you may struggle in your faith, even though at times you may be dealing with immense doubt, even though at times you're wrestling with your own inability to satisfy the tension between your logic and your faith life, he was saying that you can still come to me and live in a real and authentic relationship with our heavenly father in heaven. And that's made possible because of the sacrifice that was made on the cross. You can be broken Broken, but you can still play. So when we take communion, it's a reminder of what Christ has done for us through his death on the cross. The second thing that I want to let you know why we do communion is because it's a reminder that we are not alone. Before I was a pastor of a church, I was in the police and I did that for almost 11 years. One of the common questions that people ask me are, what was the most scariest event or incident or thing that you went to whilst you're in the police and people typically think it's probably like something to do with like violence and a lot of that is like rough and tumble it's fun and games but actually for me the scariest moment that I ever encountered in the police was one time when in the middle of the night about 3 a.m in the morning we get this call to go and investigate this incredibly loud whistling noise that's coming from the middle of a pitch black forest a really dense wooded area and I go walking through on my own to find what on earth this noise is and coming out of the ground there is this giant steel piece of pipework we later found out that it was actually it was part of a gas main blow-off valve and what that meant was we had to implement this thing called 
Operation Merlin. And what that means is when you go and wake everybody up who's in the resounding areas and you say you've got to get out of your house. But whilst all of my colleagues were running around telling everybody else to get out of their house, it's not safe, I'm literally stood there looking at this gas pipe thinking, I have never been so scared in all my life. Like, if this thing blows, what on earth is going to happen? I wanted to turn my back and run away. And yet the moment that a colleague joined me and stood right next to me, it was amazing how quickly, all of a sudden, the confidence and that British bravado came upon me like, nah, it's no big deal. Like seconds before, I was literally, I'm out of here, I'm checking out. But I think that when we take communion, it helps us under understand the same principle, that the presence of one more person alongside you on the course and duration of your life, that presence has so much power in your life. It gives you a sense of confidence, of believing like, you know what, I might not be on my own, so therefore I've got the strength to go and encounter whatever it is that's ahead of me and in my tomorrow. And when we take communion, it's that same principle at work too. It reminds you that once you have chosen to follow Jesus, there's not a place that you could ever go to where he would not be alongside with you. It's through the work of the cross, through his death and resurrection, that we're reminded that the very presence of Jesus now lives on the inside of you. In other words, you don't have to be afraid anymore because you're not alone anymore. There's not one thing that you could ever do, say, there's nothing that you could ever be a particular way about that could make God no longer want to stay and do life with you. And communion is the reminder of that, that his presence is with you. The third and final point that I think that we need to be aware of when we consider communion is that communion is a reminder that Jesus is coming back again. In the text that we read, it says, For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, the act of communion is the ultimate reminder that the ultimate solution was God's son, Jesus, to our ultimate problem that is my sin. In other words, it's a reminder that heaven is our home. It's a reminder that there is a greater hope coming. There is a greater day to be experienced for those of us that have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's a reminder that Jesus is one day coming back for his church. It's a reminder. It's a promise. It's a seal. It's a mark so that you don't think that what you're experiencing now is the be all and end all. It's a reminder of God being willing to give and sacrifice of his best so that you could know him. And within that sacrifice, there is rooted a promise that you can experience God's peace, that you can experience life in abundance, that you can experience reconciliation of your relationship with him, that you can be assured of and certain of. Not only is your eternal destination been made secure, but there is a promise that one day Jesus is coming back. And in closing, my prayer for each and every one of you is that we wouldn't get the wrong end of the stick about communion, 
that we wouldn't think mistakenly that this is just a routine or a religious thing that we just do and it's kind of willy-nilly, doesn't mean a great deal, it doesn't count for much, it's something that we've always done or I've done it since I was a child. I pray that we today would know again or for the first time that when we take communion, it's a reminder that Christ died for each and every one of us. It's a reminder that you're not alone anymore. His presence lives on the inside of you. And thirdly and finally, that it would be a promise, a seal, to let you know that Jesus is one day coming back. Let me pray for you guys real quick, and then we're going to take communion together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the amazing sacrifice that you gave when you sent your one and only Son, whom you loved, to die on a cross so that we can know today of the reality of living life in a full and real relationship with you. So today, Father, would you help us to truly understand what it is to take communion? Would you help us to know and feel and sense that this is your promise that you died for us and we now have a real relationship with you. Help us to understand that we're not alone anymore, that your presence that has such a power is constantly with us. And finally, that we would understand that you are coming back and that your return is as you've promised. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen.